I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Good evening and welcome. I'm Michael Usher and here's the latest from 7 News this Tuesday evening. Terrible backyard discovery. A deceased newborn dumped the search tonight for the baby's mother. Live to Sydney. Exclusive details, a betting investigation against an AFL star and an apology from the footy chief to fans. Tom Brown has the details. Billion dollar change at Coles, its biggest financial challenge ever. Now grabbing the groceries is about to change, Gemma Acton explains. Four more years, Donald Trump launches his bid to stay in the White House. Live to Florida. Tonight we begin with a frantic search for the mother of a newborn baby that was found dead in the backyard of a Newcastle home. Samantha Brett joins me live with the latest now. Uh, Sam, good evening. It was a stranger, the home's resident, who made this tragic discovery. Michael, good evening. Yes, it was that man who made that grim discovery. He was simply walking out the back of his Newcastle home early this morning when he found the body of a newborn baby wrapped up in a shopping bag. When emergency services arrived, there was little they could do to save that baby's life. Police tonight hold grave concerns for the mother of that baby. They fear that she may need emergency medical attention. Here's a little of what they had to say. So, you know, the, the uh, mother of that child is, is listening, watching, or if anybody who knows the mother of that child makes contact with somebody, uh, very important. Uh, we'd really like to ensure that um, she receives medical treatment. treatment. Um, it could be, could be very urgent circumstances, so we want that to take place. Uh, and we'd also like to know about it too. But you're right, it's paramount. The welfare of that, um, that lady is paramount uh, to us at this time. Now, as you heard there, Michael, police in Newcastle used that press conference today to try and make a direct appeal to that mother. But I've just spoken to police for an update tonight. Unfortunately, they have yet to locate her, Michael. They have given us little details about that little baby, only to say that a post-mortem examination will be carried out. Michael? Right. Sam Brett, thank you for that this evening. Well, these pictures uh, just in tonight of one of the brothers shot by police on the New South Wales Victoria border, arriving at Melbourne St Vincent Hospital. Josh Clavell has been extradited from Albury to face court tomorrow, charged with seven counts of assaulting police and several other offences. It's alleged he and his brother Joel attacked officers during an attempted counter-terrorism assessment. A Sydney woman arrested over the high-rise death of her former girlfriend has tonight been taken to hospital for assessment. The 23-year-old victim was found in the driveway of an apartment building this morning. It's suspected she fell or was thrown from a fifth-floor balcony. After a police appeal, ZC Wang, also known as Jessie, was arrested on a bridge 60 kilometres away. 
And tonight a father's made a disturbing threat to police after his sons were charged over the bashing of a top cop. Jared Pilgrim supported his sons Jay and Isaiah Stevens in court today, claiming they must have been provoked by Assistant Commissioner Chris O'Neill. Pilgrim posted a series of vile messages aimed at police on Facebook, one of which said, you attack mine, God help yours. And protesters are warning of more disruptions to come after a stunt which stopped traffic in Brisbane CBD this morning. Uh, as you can see there, activists glued themselves to a pedestrian crossing in an extreme bid to force action on climate change. Police used a solvent to dissolve the adhesive, officers describing it as a ridiculous waste of resources. The pair will face court next month. The AFL can't seem to catch a break this week, first with the fan crackdown controversy, and now a Collingwood star is under investigation accused of betting on his own team. 7 AFL reporter Tom Brown broke the story today. Tom, good evening. The player in question is Jaden Stevenson. Good evening, Michael. That's right. He's Collingwood's official competition rising star. He was awarded that nomination last year. Well, I reported today that he's involved in an AFL integrity probe, a betting investigation into an irregularity that the AFL and Stevenson have picked up through their processes. I think it involves a bet up to $50 on a Collingwood outcome involving a teammate getting a certain number of possessions. Those details of the bet still need to be confirmed. The AFL, the Players Association and Collingwood all not commenting on this report today, but uh, he obviously faces the prospect of a suspension which could potentially derail an aspect of Collingwood's season. It's understood tonight that he may have got a friend to place the bet, so the Integrity Department will look into all those factors and assess a a, uh, an appropriate sanction, yeah. Michael. Well, Tom, on that subject, the penalties for past behaviour like this have been pretty heavy, haven't they? Yeah, useful precedent is Heath Shaw back in 2011. Uh, then he placed a bet on Nick Maxwell. He had some inside information that Maxwell was going to play forward and he placed a bet involving Maxwell kicking the first goal. The AFL Integrity Department took all those factors into account and gave him 14 weeks, six of which were suspended. So in effect, it was eight weeks. And eight weeks is a figure that some of my sources have indicated Stevenson may receive, but we're waiting on the AFL announcement, which could come as soon as tomorrow, Michael. All right, Tom, now the other issue haunting the AFL this week. Gil McLaughlin addressed the issue of crowd security this afternoon. First, let's hear from him. And what we've heard in the last days is that while safety's been a huge priority, there are parts of our supporter base that don't feel that they actually can enjoy themselves in the same way. And we're listening to that. And we have to listen to our supporters. And that's, that's our responsibility. Yeah, you bet, Tom, they do have to listen to it. Not a great week for the AFL, you'd have to say. Now, Gil McLaughlin uncharacteristically has been under intense fire. Fans, a lot of which feel a little bit disenfranchised, in particular because I think, on speaking broadly, they feel that these behavioural integrity officers or awareness officers have targeted barracking and cheering, mm. which is overstepping the mark. McLaughlin offered an apology of sorts today, saying that he feel fans feel that there's been an unusual crackdown. He apologises in that regard. Interestingly, he feels that uh, the mood, if you like, was towards more security at the start of the season and this has only become an issue in recent weeks. He was picked up on that issue by our own reporter, Paul Dowsley, tonight, explaining that these green maggot comments by one of the Richmond Shear Squad members, that 
crackdown was 19 days ago. The Carlton fan that was kicked out on account of calling uh, the umpire a bald-headed flog, that was 11 days ago. This has been brewing, is the point, Michael. So Gill offering an apology of sorts today, suggesting that uh, those uh, singlets, if you like, that the behavioural awareness officers have been wearing, the security guards, yeah. that's overkill, according to Gilly, concedes that. But uh, I think the AFL is going to very carefully monitor the briefings to the security guards and how much they're walking down the aisle. Gil McLaughlin, the AFL CEO, attempting to address that issue with fans today. Yeah, it's got to be more than words, though, Tom. He's got to back it up with action, so we'll see what happens. Tom Brown in Melbourne, thank you. Thanks, Michael. Meanwhile, a Melbourne council is tonight searching for a dog whisked away by its owners after a vicious mauling. Let's bring in our reporter, Jodie Lee, now. Uh, Jodie, good evening. Talk us through what happened. Good evening. Well, Lauren Nani is the Melbourne woman who was attacked here. She walks her husky around Melbourne suburbs every evening. But last night, that walk was near fatal. She and her husky were about a kilometre from their hoppers crossing home when they were attacked by a Rottweiler. CCTV from a nearby home shows that dog bounding down the driveway before lunging at Lauren and her own dog. As she scrambles to pick up the husky, the Rottweiler continues to lunge at them in total 10 times, Michael. All right, Jody. let's have a listen to how Lauren Nunn described that attack today. It was just, it was terrifying. Like, if my hand wasn't on my dog, I don't know what would have happened or the state my dog would be in. I was screaming, and luckily I did, and then all the neighbours came out and called the ambulance and just helped me. Well, so, Jody, how severe were her injuries? Well, lucky uh, Lauren's dog was okay, but she herself suffered deep lacerations to her hand and to her arm. As you heard there, a neighbour called an ambulance and Lauren was rushed to hospital for stitches. Uh, thankfully, though, doctors expect her wounds to heal and she is expected to regain feeling in her arm and her hand over the coming days. Michael? Terrific. Okay, Jodie, thank you. A teenage boy is recovering tonight after being hit by his father's car as it crashed into his family's Adelaide home. Now, neighbours say the father and son had been arguing before the 41-year-old was told to leave, returning soon after and driving straight at the boy. It caused significant damage to the house. The man's due to face court next month. There's been an alarming escalation in the number of flu cases in Western Australia. New figures show 3,000 extra notifications and 14 deaths in the past week alone. Most of those were aged over 80 and the health department has expressed serious concerns about outbreaks inside aged care homes. And just hours before Victoria's assisted dying laws came into force, pro-life activists have gathered on the steps of the state parliament. Tomorrow, Victoria will become the first state to legalise voluntary euthanasia. It's expected that over the next year, more than a dozen terminally ill people will end their lives with the help of doctors. An investigation's underway tonight after a Japanese warship crashed into a Brisbane wharf, causing a bit of panic portside. Tristan Vorius is there for us this evening. Tristan, take us through what happened. Good evening, Michael. Well, it was the JS Kunosaki which was attempting to dock here when its pilot seemingly misjudged just how close the wharf actually was, swinging its stern right around and straight into the wharf, knocking a pylon off and causing surrounding buildings to shake as well. Now, fortunately, no crew members on board or spectators were physically harmed, but the vessel was left visibly damaged and it's understood that the Australian Navy is now investigating the accident, Michael. All right, and Tristan, separately, there's been quite a show of Navy hardware in Sydney Harbour. What are all these ships doing in Australia? 
Yeah, there sure has, Michael. The USS Wasp is currently in Sydney, a US Navy assault ship, complete with a very impressive array of attack choppers and fighter jets. And here in Brisbane, we've had five warships arrive here in the last two days, and they're all destined for Exercise Talisman Sabre, which occurs every two years. It's a massive series of war games off Queensland's central coast at Shoalwater Bay, and the purpose of that is to develop and enhance de uh, defence strategies, which each uh, nation, Michael, and also strengthen the ties between those allies. OK, quite a show. Tristan Voris, Brisbane, thank you for that. Donald Trump supporters are already the lining the streets in Orlando, Florida, ahead of his 2020 presidential campaign launch. It's kicking off in just a matter of hours. Let's bring in reporter Nick Harper, who's there for us this evening. Uh, Nick, uh, good evening from Australia. What, supporters have been lining up for some time now. That's right, yes, good evening. These guys behind me have been lining up uh, for about 30 hours already out on the pavements and the sidewalks of Orlando, Florida. It's another 11 hours before the president speaks, but these guys wanted to get to the front of the line. They have tickets to get in, but they really wanted to be down here because they say it was part of history to be involved in this re-election rally for the president. And it is a party atmosphere. You can probably hear the band behind me. They've been playing music, they've been cheering, they've been chanting. It's a hot day out in the sunshine, but the people here seem undeterred. They seem ready for a party. Donald Trump tweeted about it earlier. He said that this evening was going to be wild. Well, Nicky knows how to turn on a show. How's this launch going to unfold, do you think? Well, it's a big rally inside a 20,000-seater stadium here in Orlando, Florida. He's chosen this place in particular because it's in the all-important state of Florida, a swing state that he must win if he wants to retain the White House in just over a year and a half's time. Uh, during the course of this evening, we'll hear from a number of people. His wife, Melania, will be on stage with him. The vice president, Mike Pence, uh, will also be involved as well. But it's really an opportunity to fire up his base, to talk about many of the things uh, that they love to hear from him, him being hard on immigration, hard on China trade, hard on Iran. So we'll hear likely many of those things from him. Uh, probably it'll be rather thin on new policies, mm. new ideas for his re-election. It'll probably be more red meat to his base. Indeed. Now, Nick, it's very hard to understand or believe some of these polls, but some of them are showing Donald Trump trading the Democrat candidate Joe Biden, one of many Democrat candidates in several key states. Donald Trump, however, as he does bombastically, says that he's winning everywhere. Uh, what do we believe here? Probably none of it. Well, it's hard to believe for the pollsters after what happened yeah. four years ago in 2016. Hillary Clinton, according to the pollsters at least, was a shoe-in that she was going to win the election and win it by a landslide. Of course, that didn't happen, and that is what President Trump keeps reminding us. And we are a year and a half out from the election, so any polls at this stage perhaps should be taken with a pinch of salt. But yes, interestingly, the polls are saying at this stage if there was an election tomorrow, the front-runner for the Democrat Party, Joe Biden, would win, and he would definitely win in this U.S. state of Florida quite easily. So there's a long way to go yet. There'll be plenty more polls, uh, lots of things to shake down before the election in November 2020. Plenty more claims of fake news by the president as well. Nick Harper in Florida for us. Thank you for that this evening. We all know using our phones too much is not healthy, but now researchers on the Sunshine Coast have discovered that they're actually changing the shape of our skulls. Let's bring in the man behind the study, Dr. David Shahar. Uh, Dr. Shahar, thanks for joining the latest. How did you discover this so-called phone bone? I think that's what you're calling it. 
I love that name, Fongbone. I don't know actually who came up with it, but I'd like to say to them, thank you. I'd like to use it. So the way I discovered it is uh, clinically, I've been looking at x-rays every day for 20 years, uh, over 20 years, and over the last decade, I have noticed this uh, phenomenon starting to pop up on uh, x-rays of uh, particularly young adults. Uh, it looked uh, very uh, out of place because uh, normally these type of uh, development bone spurs, they don't uh, grow up uh, in individuals who are young. Uh, they normally, they're perceived to be there uh, with individuals who are advancing in age. And large bone spurs, uh, through the literature, are not showing until the individual is, uh, or in individuals who are over 40 years old. Mm. So seeing them in young adult populations was very uh, surprising to me. It, it certainly doesn't sound healthy, doctor, but is that, is that bone itself actually harmful to our health? The development itself is showing us that some changes are occurring in weight distribution and in uh, how we carry our body and posture. So there is a possibility that we are going to have compensation elsewhere in our bodies as well, such as down, uh, lower down in the neck area or the upper back area. And uh, we are right now, in fact, looking at those areas and about to publish uh, further research about other areas of the spine where damage there could be uh, causing right. substantial uh, symptoms. So, Dr. Shahar, how do we prevent it from growing? We think it's mechanical. We think that this can be prevented by improving posture. Uh, obviously, it did not exist in the past, and it exists now. I think that the reason it exists now, it's not only because we are uh, um, sustaining poor posture, but we're holding it for prolonged periods of time. So as we have a forward head suspension for a prolonged period of time, the attachment of the muscle to the bone becomes more uh, under stress. And in response to that, it, it undergoes an adaptation where the footprint of the insertion on the bone, of the, the insertion of the tendon on the bone becomes wider to spread the load uh, on a wider area on the bone. Well, we are going to have to change our ways. We don't want this to continue on. There's no doubt about it. Fascinating research, and we look forward to those uh, more studies that you're talking about as well. Dr. David Chahar, thank you for joining the latest. Thank you. Tonight, Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam has finally faced protesters with an apology for the China extradition bill, indicating that it's unlikely to be revived. She said she intends to finish her term as the city's chief executive, despite calls for her to resign. Uh, Lam has been the focus of criticism in Hong Kong for having sought to push through the legislation. And tonight, the man who threw that milkshake on Nigel Farage has pleaded guilty to assault and criminal damage. Paul Crowther threw the banana and salted caramel milkshake at the Brexit leader in Newcastle ahead of last month's European elections. A GoFundMe page has been set up to get Paul his milkshake money back. A developing story tonight. The former head of the European Football Association, UEFA, Michelle Platini, has been arrested on suspicion of corruption. It relates to suspected bribery in the process of awarding the 2022 World Cup to Qatar. The Gulf state beat out Australia to host that sporting event. 
And India is suffering through a record heat wave with 33 straight days above 40 degrees across large parts of the country. The severe conditions have claimed 78 lives just this week, with hospitals overwhelmed by those suffering heat stroke. In some parts, curfew-like restrictions are in place, banning all construction work and outdoor activities during the heat of the day. The way you shop for groceries is set for a shake-up over the next four years. Coles has today announced it's cutting costs by $1 billion over that time period. Seven Finance Editor Gemma Acton was at the company's Melbourne headquarters earlier today. She joins me now. Gemma, good evening. A billion dollars. It's a big deal. So how are they planning to make this work? Yes, Michael, indeed. They're looking to technology to do quite a lot of the heavy lifting, whether that's through new automated warehouses, which help with home deliveries, or through using customer data more to more accurately predict what different customers in different locations are going to be buying, so to cut down on wastage. We also heard from the Chief Executive Stephen Kane today, who made it very clear that underperforming stores will be more closely watched going forward. And let's not forget, of course, it was just a few days ago that there were an announcement of 450 job cuts from the head office here in Melbourne. So in terms of the shopping experience for customers, is that going to change significantly, Gemma? Well, Michael, it really depends on where you live because going forward, there's going to be no more one-size-fits-all store. There's actually going to be four new store format designs and it will depend on the demographics of the local community, so the taste, the wealth, the lifestyle of everyone who lives around there, all the way from the high-end gourmet offering through to the much more basic, off-the-shelf, affordable format. What is clear, though, is that from store to store, the product range available and the layouts will be changing quite a lot. General, I'll quote the CEO now who said, quote, this is the toughest competitive environment in Coles entire history. So I guess the big question is, other supermarkets, they must be facing similar issues. Oh, absolutely, Michael. Coles and Woolworths are both under a lot of pressure from other very credible low-cost alternatives. Costco and Aldi are already here in a very popular. Kaufland is arriving very soon and Amazon Fresh, of course, is ramping up what it's doing in Australia. So Coles and Woolworths not only have to provide good value, but also under pressure to provide pretty differentiated offerings. And that's why we saw a lot of emphasis today on Coles expanding its private label range. So going after popular themes such as wellness and other ethnic cuisines as well. They're hoping to get that up to around 40% of sales within the next four years. The other big theme that came out today, and again it's one that all the supermarkets are banding about at the moment, is convenience. Very clearly customers are all time poor but are still under a lot of pressure to deliver nutritious meals every single night and so supermarkets are really looking at how they can take as much of the legwork out of meal preparation as possible. All right, uh, Gemma Acton in Melbourne, thank you for that. Thank you. Taking a look at the temperatures. Tops of 24 in Brisbane with a partly cloudy day. A few showers expected in Melbourne, reaching 12 degrees. Adelaide 13 and a shower or two. And some other parts of the country. Tops of 16 in Tamworth and partly cloudy. Morning frost in Mildura. Partly cloudy also there. Tops of 13. Uh, 23 and sunny in Geraldton. Not a bad spot. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.